Hello everyone and welcome to Stories, the podcast about property. Stories as in the level of the house, but also the stories that people will tell about how they got into property, the challenges they've faced and why they keep going. In this first episode, I interview my friend and fellow investor, Benjamin Nichols. Ben and I have known each other for a few years now, and uh, we see each other every couple of months at an investors group that we both go to. So he's kindly agreed to be my first guest on the podcast. I hope you enjoy the episode. And without further ado, here is the very first episode of Stories. Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of Stories, the podcast for property investors. Uh, my name is Stuart Sample, and joining us today is Benjamin Nichols, a property investor and family historian. Welcome, Ben. Hi, Stuart. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining me. Very happy to have you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm great today. How good. are you? Yeah, yeah, very well, thanks. Um, I, th- I thought we could start by... Uh, talking about your property journey and how did you get involved with property investing? Okay, um, it originally started with a an ad on Facebook, funnily enough, for a free two-hour property seminar in a local hotel. And property is something that I've always been interested in, certainly since early adulthood. Um, known it was a great investment, liked the idea of owning properties and having that passive income, but didn't have a clue how to get involved other than um, get a really good job, earn lots of money, save really hard, put down a few deposits. And if I had four by the time I retired, that would be amazing. And if anybody in the world had more than four houses, they must have won the lottery or inherited it, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I thought, right, it's free. It's two hours to Friday evening. I've got nothing to lose. I'll go and have a look. And by the end of the two hours, um, the speaker had told us at least three um, strategies that he had used, um, most if not all of them involving none of his own money and creating equity, creating cash flow, in a way that I thought, my God, I could do that. I could do that myself now or in the next year or two. Um, And I was absolutely blown away. And then he said, if you want to know more, it's going to cost you a thousand pounds. And we do a three day weekend. And my first thought was a thousand pounds. That's a lot of money. And then by the end of it, I just thought, no, it's not. I'll stick it on the credit card. I'll go and have a look. If it really isn't for me, at least I've had a look and I can pay that thousand pounds off. But if it is for me, then what a great decision. So I did, did went along to the weekend and that was mind blowing. My pen didn't stop writing for most of those three days. I was, write, was furiously writing down every bit of information and I was all prepared to go off and do it myself. And because on the middle of those three days, they said, to be honest, this is just the tip of the iceberg. If you really want to get involved in property investment, you need yeah. specialist training, you need mm-hmm. a mentor, you need a network of people, mm-hmm. and it's going to cost you this. And I mm-hmm. thought, you got no chance. Um, <laughs> in fact, that, that, that was the clean version of what I actually said to myself. <laughs> yep. Um, and I just yeah, thought, yeah. no. Um, 
I can't afford this. I'm going to have to just try it myself. And then fortunately for me, by the Sunday lunchtime, I realized I was never going to do it by myself. I needed this support. And honestly, it was the, it was the offer of the network more than anything else, more than the training, mm -hmm. more than the mentor. I just thought when things get difficult, I'm going to need people to call on. Um, and so That's I what changed your mind. Um, yeah, yeah. Realizing I couldn't do it on my own was the turning point for me. And fortunately that happened while I was still sat in the room as opposed to three or four days later. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I rang my bank, I took out a loan and I handed most of it over, um, to start my property journey. And I drove home thinking, what have I done? Yeah. Was I, that scary? Yeah. Or no more. I hope this is real. I really want to believe this is real. And so the following morning, um, I rang one of the team, they gave me a phone number and I rang them and I just said, this is real, isn't it? That sort of conversation. And they reassured <laughs> me, took a few yeah. deep breaths and off we went. Um, cool. And yeah, turned out to be a fantastic decision. Excellent. So uh, where did you go after that first first phone call? What was, what was the, uh, the starting point for you? Um, they had offered two crucial bits of advice before the first course um, was to make friends in the room and stay in touch with each other because we're all new to this, we're all starting off together um, so that we could ring each other up, meet up, discuss ideas, um, start doing some research into an area of investment and going to um, networking events. Yeah. Um, so I say that was different bits of advice that there was one bit of advice there and it was basically start creating your network, start building on this network. Um, so I did all those things. Yeah. Was that hard for you? Um, yes, it was because I'm not a small talk sort of person and I'm not the sort of person who walks into a room of strangers and suddenly starts making conversation with everybody and wants to be the life and soul of the party. Yeah. Hey um, guys, I'm Ben, the property investor. Exactly. Nice yeah. Look at me. Well, yeah. I say I'm a property investor, but I'm not, I'm faking it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm lying through my teeth, which isn't me either. Cause I like to be brutally honest with people and myself. Mm -hmm. Um, so I now have to lie to you all and I don't even know you <laughs> yet. Yeah. Um, so, but I thought this is going to give me the result I want. So I need to do this and I need to learn how to do this. And also it's not really small talk because if you're going into a property network meeting, you've got at least one thing in common with everybody in that room, they're interested in property. So that's a good starting point. So you don't have to do the whole Prince Charles thing. Oh, what do you do? What do you do? And then feign interest because you know, you're going to be genuinely interested in what they do because they want to do the same thing. It's relevant. You're doing yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it was, it was all right. Um, and yeah, so then started researching areas, listening to other people's, um, stories where they were, what they were doing, especially people that had already started. So you get, um, an idea of, of where they'd gone and just collecting information. Yeah. So you said um, researching your area. How did how did you find your area? How did you um, you don't have to uh, 
disclose your area, but how did you um, how did you uh, settle upon it? Well, interestingly, it wasn't the area I started investing in. Um, it was we were looking at somewhere, and I partnered up with a, a couple of people from the course, and. Honestly, one of the reasons why we chose the area was it because it wasn't too far away from where we were based. And these two other people didn't want to invest far from home. It was an area that worked, you know, would have worked for us. Um, but also the strategy didn't really suit me. And I was kind of going along with it because it was just something to go along with. And I liked the fact I was working with other people. I was a bit scared of doing it on my own. So I kind of went along with a few things and maybe overcompromised because I had this support of these two other people. Yeah. What and, was the strategy? Um, the strategy was going to be HMOs. Now, mm -hmm. I couldn't have started doing HMOs on my own because I had no land no experience. Uh, yeah, exactly. I wasn't a landlord. Um, but yeah. these other two did. So back, piggybacking on them, I could have done it. Um, but it was only a few months later on one of the courses that one of the speakers suggested to me that I actually, it came off the back of, um, we, as a, as a threesome, we decided it wasn't going to work after mm, we okay. spent some time together, looked up an area, went to the area and all that, we actually realized it wasn't going to work they realized it before I did. And I was a bit upset that it had all come to nothing. Um, but actually it was for the best. And in hindsight, I can see they made the right decision. And then shortly after that, I was on one of the courses that I signed up for. And I got a bit of advice off one of the speakers. And they said, No, what do you want to do? Focus on what you want to do, pick an area that suits you. And so I went from there. Was that a bit disheartening? The the first um, first strategy or the first thing you tried not working out as as you'd intended? Yes, because um, one of the things on the course that they made a big thing about was a timeline. They reckoned that if you applied yourself and um, followed their instructions, you could be financially free, you could have the income that you wanted in order to have choices, leave your job, etc. Um, within two years. So I yeah. have this Did you feel a pressure to Yeah. So that, yeah. I mean there's, there's positive pressure and there's negative pressure, you mm -hmm. know. So there wasn't a bad thing that they set this this timeline on it because if you don't keep going forward, keep up momentum, um, it will always take you longer. Um, but the thing is, it takes you longer anyway, as we found out. Um, but this two years was was in my head. And I'd, in my mind, I had wasted six months already. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, I look back at it now, and I find it amusing, because I've learned so much about myself. But back then, I thought, Oh, my God, I've wasted six months. Um, I'm back to square one. You know, it's the end of the world. <laughs> hard to see hard to see around. That yeah, at yeah, the yeah, time. yeah, yeah. What what was your motivation for getting into it? You mentioned like financial freedom. Was it was it getting away from a job or, or was it freedom from for your time or what what was it that you were you were interested in? A bit of both. I mean, initially um freedom from my job because 
I've never seen myself as an employee, as somebody doing something um, under somebody else's instructions. Um, I mean, most of the time it's fine, but it's just when you're told to do something at work that you really disagree with. Yeah. I, you know, I have a big problem with that. It's hard. Yeah. yeah me too. <laughs> so, so as a result, um, the jobs I got were to pay bills and to pass some time. So I was never going to get off the bottom rung because, uh, you know, if you've got to get, if you want to get into management and hire, you've got to buy into the, the business and all that kind of thing. Um, I mean, more mentally and emotionally than say financially, but, and, and that was never going to be me. So I was never going to earn a, a massive wage. And also, I've always been a bit of a free spirit anyway. So um, I like to do what I want to do when I want to do it within reason. And of course, a job when you're working nine to five Monday to Friday can be quite, um, you know. Quite restrictive. Yeah, that's the word. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so the opportunity to, to for my time to be my own was probably the biggest thing. Um, in the early days, ego was definitely involved. You know, I, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to be the big I am. I wanted to own houses so that I could tell people I owned houses. And um, it was only a while afterwards that I realized that just makes you a dick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, we, we can come to that later in the story. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was an ego thing, but it was a, it was a freedom thing as well. And, um, and, and maybe a bit of a challenge as well when they said you can be, you can leave your job within two years. I thought, right, I'm gonna, yeah, that, I, I want, can do that. I want that to be me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get that. Totally. So, uh, what happened after that? Um, so, once I'd found my actual investment area and a strategy that suited me, um, around that time, I'd also met a guy on one of the courses who had loads of cash and no time. And um, I had been taught that that was the sort of person I was looking for because I had no cash and I was prepared to make whatever time it took. So we got on very well. We met over a coffee and um, then we had lunch together and we talked more when he explained, because also I'm the sort of guy that he was looking for. Um, Someone with all the time and... and... Uh, willing to do the work exactly yes um and we got were you working at the time yes i was i was in a full-time job oh, at the time right um but uh i was prepared to sacrifice weekends and evenings and lunch times and you know and whatever it took yeah um so we you know we got on we made friends and after the weekend we arranged to stay in touch and actually not just stay in touch which you know never happens um we no. consciously agreed because you know we said to people oh we must stay in touch and then you never yeah, stay. I'll see you later yeah exactly but we consciously decided that every wednesday evening we would skype each other and initially that was just a case of almost like accountability partners mm -hmm. what have you done this week what have i done this week you know yep. um and that developed to a point where we had rapport. So, and he was going to, he was prepared to be an angel investor for me, which was great. And then, um, oh, there's a whole story here, um, which is, 
uh, kind of related, but kind of a bit sidetracking. Do you want to do you want to hear the story? I, I let's sidetrack. I love a sidetrack. <laughs> okay. Um, I had my mentorship at the beginning of February, and so I was still within my first twelve months of investing. And then very shortly after that, I had my first offer accepted, and I was awesome. over, over the moon. What was that like? Uh, oh, terrifically exciting. In fact, it was funny yeah. because um, you could have seen my offer as me being clever, but I was just being honest. Basically, uh-huh. um, it was a an agent, and I can't remember if I'd called them to speak about some other properties or they called me because they had me on the books. But anyway, they basically said, there's this house um, and it's going for sale. Are you interested? And my response was, I wouldn't pay more than 20,000 for a house on that street. Yeah. And it was me just honestly closing You knew the street. Yeah, I knew the street didn't have much value. I also knew the street wasn't the most popular place to get rentals. Although now I know that it actually can rent pretty much anything anywhere as long as you're prepared to take on certain tenant types. Um, So I was kind of fobbing them off really but uh-huh. not as a sales trick as genuinely nah genuinely fobbing them off. yeah exactly wouldn't pay 20 grand for the house on that street yeah. um okay no problem i mean the phone call ended amicably and all that and then about a week later they rang me back and they said you know you, that offer you put in and i was thinking, <laughs> it wasn't an offer, what offer? <laughs> an offer to end the phone call maybe <laughs> and um i said yeah and she said it's been accepted <laughs> oh, shit yeah so, oh brilliant cool all right then excellent yeah no worries i'm up first Let, let's go because you know if you're going to get a house for 20 grand it doesn't matter where it is um it's pretty good price. <laughs> totally so um and then so uh, sorry i totally interrupted your story no 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 no, no that's right i'm just thinking about it's so long ago now i'm trying to think about the order of things uh-huh. um so that's right. And then I thought, okay, so I need to go and raise some money. Mm-hmm. And I went to Mark and I said, okay, um, I've had this offer accepted. Are you good for the money? Um, that he'd been effectively pledging me for the last six months or whatever. And he said, ah, oh. he said, right, a bit of a problem. <laughs> 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 that sounds exactly like Mark. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he said, I've just found a deal that I want to do. And I need all my money for it. And I'm thinking, you are kidding me. And then he said, um, but are you okay to find the money elsewhere? So not wishing to lose face, I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. Mm-hmm. And then ended the phone call and then just said, ah, oh, shit. Because, <laughs> <Bugger. laughs> yeah, because I didn't have a clue where it's coming from. And again, in hindsight, maybe I should have warmed up some other potential angels, but he just seemed so good for the money. And it seemed so little relative to... Um, the money you had to invest and anyway anyway um so so then I thought right fall back on your training what does your training tell you it tells you to tell everybody what you're doing and just ask ask for the money um so I started randomly asking people and now the place I worked um some of my colleagues who I knew quite well and I, I knew socially I told what I was doing. So I've been to these courses, I want to invest in property, blah, blah, blah. And some of them said, oh yeah, that's interesting. I've got one, I've got two, um, you know, and we just general chit chat about what I wanted to do. So so to those people that I 
had had this conversation with it wasn't a blanket email to all the staff i sent out an email to my colleagues at work um i had this offer accepted um you know what i do i've need this amount of money um anyone interested now um sent it out on a work email um <laughs> during the working oh. day just oh. ever so slightly outside of core working hours um i discovered <laughs> later and thought nothing of it and then um saw my boss a bit later on and he said he said you might want to keep a low profile i said why what's happened he said oh that email you sent um the some of the directors are going crazy about it and i said what? oh. what's wrong and he said oh i don't know it'll blow over don't worry about it <laughs> so okay i mean maybe it wasn't the smartest thing to send it on on the work system maybe the I email, send it. yeah yeah bet. so they, they read your email yeah but wow. well, they were supposed to you know um oh, okay because i picked out like i said it wasn't just uh you know all employees email Oh, so it, you send it to them. They weren't like monitoring your email. No, 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 spying. no, okay, no, no. Okay. I, I sent it to, you sent it to them, right? Yeah. So a dozen members of staff who mm -hmm. I knew personally and yeah. I had explained what I was doing previously. Yeah. Got it. Um, but of course they, they're not familiar with, you know, this sort of training and also, although it was a private company, it's a, it's a very public sector mindset to it. So this kind of thing, I can understand how it'd freak them out. And then a week or so later, um, my boss asked to see me uh, urgently. I thought, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, we sat down in the office and he said, right. He said, you know, the email you sent, I said, yeah, it's caused consternation. Um, and we need to investigate what you're doing. I said, really? And so basically I was put on gardening leave while I was investigated because some of them thought I was committing fraud. Really? Yeah. Wow. Which I wasn't, but, yeah. um, well, you know, guess. if you don't have that mentality, if you don't have that mindset, you don't have the knowledge that yeah, we now have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I get it. So anyway, um, so I was put on garden leave and a couple of weeks later after they'd done the, um, um, bit of digging, um, I was summoned to explain myself and well, cut a long story short at the end of that, I was, um, summarily dismissed for gross, wow. gross misconduct. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I appealed and the appeal was turned down and that was me done. Um, but what was interesting was the, the technicality they got me on was, uh, um, because I'd set up a company with the two people from the course originally that I mentioned earlier. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, now we set up this company, we didn't trade as a company. And when we went our separate ways, we dissolved the company. So the company must've been alive for two or three months, maybe never did any trading. And they said that if I wanted to set up a company, I should have got permission first. And I said, what? okay, but we didn't trade. It's now defunct and I'm not in competition with you. And yeah, that didn't wash the fact that I was an excellent employee. The fact 
that they gave me a really challenging job to do and I smashed the living daylights out of it and I had the figures to prove it and that they acknowledged that during the trial um, was they they totally didn't take any well they dismissed it obviously because you know they didn't it didn't make any difference and my genuine feeling is that one director in particular a recipient of the email and somebody I thought I got on with quite well had a grudge against me because I within my department I was quite an agitator for improvement to what we were doing and um and I think she didn't like the fact I was an agitator. She would have preferred me just to shut up and do my job. To the party line. Yeah, exactly. And that's not me, I'm afraid. Um, so I think she wanted to see me go. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So uh, that's what happened. Um, then a couple of days later, I went to a networking meeting and they said, how's it going? I said, oh, I've just been sacked for my job. And they said, oh, brilliant. You're financially free. And I said, well, I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I've got no money coming in. Um, whereas when I told my family, obviously, um, they didn't freak out too much because they know I was going through a tough time. But, you know, it was a totally different mindset to, oh, my God, well, then you've got to get another job as quickly as possible and get back into the rut that is life. Um, so, so were you scared? Um, yeah, yeah, I was. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for, for that day or the day after, um, and then you kind of just pull yourself together and think, come on, okay, how are we going to get out uh, out of this little problem right now or the short-term problem? How are we going to deal with that? Because whatever's in the future will, will be fine. And um, and I, I was fortunate that the job I was doing was in massive demand. So I was able to ring up a recruitment agency, um, present them with my CV, and they found me some contract work within three weeks. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> who, to, to a similar company who didn't care. I didn't even yeah. know, actually, why I'd left my previous job. I don't think, I can't yeah. remember if they knew or not. They certainly didn't question, question me about it. And when I was there doing my job, and they said, oh, so why are you contracting at the moment? Because um, there are contractors in that line of work, and they're with perfectly valid reasons. So I just said, oh, you know, just, just fancy a change of scene. I completely played yeah. it down. I just thought, I'm not going to say a word from now on. No. Um, even to the point of when I had my second contract during that, mm -hmm. I had two job op job offers. I had two two permanent ones, one from another company and one from the one I was contracting at the time. And I chose the other one for personal reasons. And when I came to um, reject the offer from the place I worked, I got on really well with my manager and she loved me and she was desperate for me to work for them. And I, I wanted just to sit down and just be honest with her and tell her the whole story. And I thought, no, I'm not because I don't, I don't trust the system anymore. And mm. until I am literally financially free, I'm not going to breathe a word of this yeah. to anybody. You've been burned. Yeah, basically. And it was mm -hmm. self-preservation at the time. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, when you're, you know, me going into property investment, buying houses, raising money, doing all that shit, scary stuff for the first time, I didn't need any other shit to deal with, <laughs> no. basically. So I was trying to minimise that as well. Yeah. Um, so, so um, your was this during your first deal? Um, yeah, because I run, but ironically, that deal never happened because um, 
it was going on for so long that yeah. that there were three vendors brothers who were selling on behalf of their deceased father i think it was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um one of them lived in ireland um another one was just slow lazy don't don't know but basically the the conveyancing was taking weeks and weeks and weeks and so ironically that deal didn't happen anyway yeah but what was interesting was i went to a network meeting and again it comes back to that network thing and i was talking to a lady there who i knew really well and she said how's it going and i said oh my god they're these three brothers and they're taking ages and she said right she said forget it because while you are down this rabbit hole staring at this deal that's never going to happen you are missing so many great deals that are going on all around you Mm. and that was great advice because I went home from that meeting I literally got straight on my laptop and I found a deal deal. yeah straight straight away literally that evening um which I made inquiries about that one was going to auction so I um so I so you went to the auction no I didn't it was it was going to auction within a couple of days okay so I thought right I'm going to kind of leave this one to fate. I haven't really got time to get all my ducks in a row um, for this one. So we'll see what happens. If it doesn't sell at auction, I will see that as a massive sign and I'll be all over it. And it didn't sell at auction. So I rang up and I made a little bit of a cheeky offer, not a massively cheeky offer because it was Mm -hmm. pretty cheap anyway. Got a little bit of a discount. I said, right, there you go. And left it to them. And then they rang me. Um, funnily enough, that contract job offered me a full-time job. It was my last day there. So that was the Friday. And I was going to start my new full-time job at the new company on the Monday. So I was driving home on the Friday. And I got a call from the auction house saying, congratulations, your offer has been accepted. Awesome. What, what you need to do now is pay the <laughs> holding fee, which is £6,000 and um and then it's yours and then you've got 28 days to exchange and 28 days to complete um because it was the modern modern method of auction Mm -hmm. and then right then i felt like i felt when i did my first bungee jump Mm. which was i always said oh yeah if i ever get the chance to do a bungee i'll do it and then one day i got a chance i thought oh shit i've got to do it now haven't i (laughs) yeah Yeah. terrifying yeah and i was standing on the edge and they said do you want a countdown from three and i said yes please and i thought when they get to one i've got to jump because if i pause after their countdown i'm never going to do it and then i jumped and i got the rush and i just but i also remember looking over the bridge and that's trying to that's yeah it was that precipice moment in property um and i just said right hold on i just need to check i've got the funds can i call you back in 10 minutes and they said yes and i ended the phone call and the first thing i did was just breathe you know compose myself and just take a few deep breaths (laughs) yeah and then i rang um my angel um who ironically his deal didn't come to fruition either so he could have lent me the money yeah (laughs) it's funny how things work out i rang him up and i said right i've had this deal accepted i need this amount of money are you good for it and he said yes 
Um, he said, I can't transfer it to you right now, though. How much do you need? I said, well, I need the 6,000 up front. He said, can you do that? I said, yes, I can do it on my credit card. He said, right, if you do that tonight, I'll transfer the funds to you in the morning. Bearing in mind, by the way, that we have no joint accounts right now. He's just going to transfer into my personal account. We haven't signed any paper agreements. This is literally yeah. just done on trust. Done on a, and done on a words, on, yeah. Not even a handshake. And exactly, yeah, over the phone. Amazing. Um, and we'd known each other, God, six, seven, eight months by that point. Fantastic. Um, so I said, okay, thank you very much. So I rang the auction house back and gave them my... 16 digits of the card you know that kind of thing was that terrifying yeah it was uh-huh. but it was it was that i have to do this now it was when they get to one i've got to jump so i jumped and then um paid the money and then i drove home and thought oh, oh work, you know, work. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's it's one of those things i'd passed the point of no return i wasn't going to get a refund which was great because then I had to keep going. And um, so I did. And I, so I had my 56 days to complete or whatever it was. Um, And in that time period, I bought another house as well. Awesome. Um, So I bought two in a fortnight or something like that. (laughs) And and it's like, like buses, I guess. You spend all this time looking for a yeah. deal and then suddenly two come along at once. And then um, my angel, Mark, rang while well, I was speaking to him and um, we were talking about these two transactions. And he said, I've been thinking, um, instead of me being your angel, why don't we become partners? He said, I'll chuck in all the money. You go and find the houses and we'll split everything 50-50. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, which just goes to show that when I originally rang my bank for the loan and paid for the education, mm-hmm. I was, I was desperate for it to happen, but I did believe it would happen because I wanted it so badly, but I didn't know how or when, you know, those, those sorts of things. And it was starting to come together, but it was coming together even better than I hoped it might or even thought it could you know it was it's funny how things work out do you think you could have done it without the the education no not a chance i would have had the theory i would have known what to do i could have read a sheet of paper and it would have said step by step do this yeah do this but i think if i'd gone out to look for houses and um they weren't because with a buy to let you have to create the deal you know, when you look at the, the purchase price, you're never going to buy it for that purchase price because the deal won't work, or rarely anyway, especially on a buy-to-let. So you have to go and negotiate a discount. But if I'm going through right move, say, I'm finding all these houses and saying, oh, no, that's too much, that's too much, that's too much. By the end of it, I could have thought to myself, oh, this thing doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Or these people yep. were lucky, or they were lying to me, yep. and then bend it off. So, but when you're in the network, you can ring them up and you say, and you can say this to somebody, and they say, aha, yeah, but you've forgotten this. Or have you tried that? Or if you do this. Have you put in uh, a ridiculously cheeky offer? Yeah. But because if you put in enough ridiculously cheeky offers, one gets accepted and you've just got to keep going. As I proved to myself eventually, because it was oof, um, six. I was looking hard for about six months. 
Yeah. How many offers did you have out before before your first uh, first one came through? Oh God, um, I can't remember the figure, but um, you know, forty, fifty, you know, loads, just loads and loads, and and you know, if I hadn't had that support team, I'd have easily given up. Six months, you think, now I saw this for Game of Soldiers. I'm going back to work. Um, but everybody would be very hard to to have the confidence to keep going without that's right encouraged. but when when you're hanging out with people who are saying keep going keep going because it does work and then suddenly you buy two houses in a fortnight and you're like, ah, <laughs> it does work. Yeah. you know that was, that was crucial yeah were they were they good deals the the two you bought yeah they were um yeah. the refurbs on them were about 11 grand each give or take and um you know they were they were money in money out Amazing. Do you still own them? Yes. Oh, yeah. In fact, the the auction one that I bought, um, I finished refurbing it just after Christmas or just before Christmas. And um, and then the January, I let it out to a couple and, uh, sorry, family, family of six. Yeah. And six years later, they're still living there. Still there. Wow. That's unbelievable. In fact, almost to the day. They're, and I love them. I've got to know them really well. They're really nice people. And when I said about ego earlier and I said I'd come back to it, this, mm. is the, this is the time to come back to it because their youngest, when they moved in, was two. And she and another of their kids have got serious heart issues where they have to go to, have to have regular checkups at the hospital, They've had to have surgery. They have to have tablets and pills and all sorts. Um, and also, they 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 relocated, um, and where they originally lived, there were some serious issues that they were dealing with as well. So they had they they were escaping that. They've got two kids with heart problems, so all they need is a bit of security bit of compassion and a quiet life and I was able to provide them with that and and I thought um god now Lacey was two when she moved in so she's now eight so she's lived with me for six years um that's really powerful yeah that I have been able to provide a sanctuary for a little girl and her family Mm -hmm. and then suddenly I thought that's that's why I'm doing this now because I've got other families like that living in houses that I now own. And I love that I can do that for people, especially, you know, as there were lots of bad landlords around and there were lots of not necessarily bad landlords, but just landlords that don't, they're not interested, you know, they okay. money every month. Yeah. And, um, and I've, I've had, tenants come to me saying i want to rent your house because i want to live in this area it's just i've got a bad landlord and they've literally moved around the corner and they've moved in with yep. me and they've been you know, happily ever after kind of thing Happy. and and that's my reason for going on um it's interesting because benjamin disraeli once said about his wife he said i married marianne for her money but if i did it again i'd do it for love because he did eventually fall in love with her and yeah. for me, it's property. I, I bought property to for money and ego, 
But if I did it again, I'd do it to support vulnerable families. That's nice. And that's my reason for going forward now, which I, I love. It sits much better with me, especially. Yeah, it sounds better than I'm in it for the morning. <laughs> yeah, totally. totally. But I, I'm honest with people about that because uh-huh. people outside property um, do think you're in it for the money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm happy that I can be honest with people and say, yeah, no, I was one of those people. I wanted to do it for the money and for the ego trip and for the status and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then I suddenly realized that it's not about that at all. Um, on my first, um, training weekend, the speaker said property is not about money and it's not about bricks and it's not about mortar. It's all about people. And I sat there thinking, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And I've actually come to realize he's absolutely right. <laughs> it is about people. It is. It's about relationships with estate agents, with vendors, with mortgage uh, companies, with tenants, of course, crucial, um, with your letting agent, with your business partner, with other professionals out there, of everybody you come into contact, if you've, if you've got a good relationship with them, mm. or even if you haven't got a bad relationship with them, you know, um it makes makes all the difference what's been the most uh the relationship that's had the most effect on you throughout your property journey um interesting yeah because i mean my business partner's been a very interesting relationship um we've because we went into our working relationships so informally and so casually that was nice but it has caused issues and because we are the people we are we have been able to deal with those issues in a very reasonable and generally amicable way with support sometimes when necessary which is fine as well um but we are still working together now and we are actually in our strongest position to date, which is testament to, um, to the support that we've had. Um, but I think it's mainly testament to our personalities and to the fact that we both see the bigger picture and there's no point falling out over this and, um, and losing a relationship over it and and losing out financially over it. Mm. Um, so it's been a real, I mean, uh, people liken a business relationship to a marriage and it is because it is another form of, you know, intense personal relationship mm. and you may not share a bed, but you share, <laughs> you share, you share finances <laughs> like you do with a marriage. And well, yeah. although now Mark and I have shared a bed a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't ask for any details. Uh, we're, we're quite low maintenance, and when we've had to go somewhere, and you know, um, yeah, and you share tasks like in a, in a marriage as well, I guess, like different different people do different uh, things. Yeah, exactly. Roles and responsibilities, negotiation. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, like a couple with children would do. Um, as I said, share finances and so on. So it's it's in the interest of the best interest of both parties to um find a way around things and also make it work yeah and you know and and to back off and to know sometimes when to give space and sometimes when to um 
be proactive and and we do balance each other very well um so that's that's worked and i've learned a lot about myself through that and a lot about business through that um i've got a very strong relationship with the lady who manages my portfolio on a daily basis um and the importance of um you know look, looking after somebody who works for you on that level because it's just it's me and her like i haven't got a, a load of staff it's it's just her and i it's it's important that she feels you know loved you know part of the team valued yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. and um and also when things are going wrong or things are going badly and it's maybe bothering her or, or whatever for me to stay strong and and sometimes i've reacted badly to bad situations because it's just bad and and it pisses me off and you know i'll i'll say so but i think sometimes there's a strength and a quality in you not being the warrior and not being the one who necessarily jumps to conclusions because all bad situations pass mm -hmm. and and sometimes it's just a case of saying okay so this is really shit right now however mm. maybe we need to do this maybe if we think about that maybe blah 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 um it's all going to be okay yeah and there's no need to overreact um so and things work out better because i mean it's also about staying in power and staying in control because if if, a, if say if a tenant trashes a property or you find out they're dealing drugs or they don't pay their rent for three months or something like that or some you know bad situation which is going to take more than you know it's going to take a while to sort out um yeah. if if you start um throwing your toys out the pram as well you lose control um you lose the power in that situation and therefore uh, it's going to be harder to come to some sort of situation um sort it out and also you know lynn is looking to me for guidance ultimately because this is my portfolio so i have the vision i'm you know um and and when you see your leader falling apart that can be quite devastating disturbing yeah, yeah. um so as, as the leader in this situation i've had to step up stay calm where before i would have thrown a wobbly and yeah. so i'm you know developing my character in that sense as well yeah. at the start of the podcast i mentioned that you were um, a family historian yes how did how did you move from your um your employment to um starting your business and and was it property that gave you the freedom to do that and and what happened there okay um yes it was ultimately um family history is something i've been interested in for ever really i would say because um i've got scottish family and i've got dutch family and we would go and visit 
them when we were kids. And I was always interested with that. I thought it was cool that I had exotic family, that we had to travel to a different country, you know, that kind of thing, yeah. to see close relatives. Um, whereas a lot of my friends at school, um, their families all lived around the corner. Um, so I kind of liked that because it made me a bit different. Um, yeah. So I was always kind of interested in family outside my own you know, parents and siblings um, right from those early days. Um, I wasn't actively researching, but I would be happy to listen to some of the stories that my great aunties would tell me, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then um, it got to a stage basically where I, I didn't really know my dad's family at all. Um, his parents had died before I was born and he lived quite far away from where they were all based. Um, so although he grew up with them and got on really well with them and, you know, never fell out with any of them, that, that contact had kind of drifted a little bit because of geography more than anything else. Um, but I reconnected with my grand's side of the family in early adulthood. And then it got to a stage where my dad's dad was the only one of my grandparents I knew absolutely nothing about. And my dad didn't know much about him either, to be fair. So I was studying at university in London at the time, and I was talking to my dad about it. And he said, well, all the records are in London. So, you know, if you've got a free afternoon, why don't you pop along and have a look at them? And this was yeah. before things went on the internet in a big way. This was early 2000. So I did. And um, literally turned up at the record office one day um, saying, hi, um, right, my great, my granddad, um, I've got his, um, and I know he was born in 1880 because my dad told me and his name's Robert. Can you help me? You know, <laughs> absolutely bottom line, nothing, no information to go on hardly, no knowledge whatsoever. Um, please help. And the lady said, oh, okay, right. Well, come and sit down this computer with me and I'll show you what you can do. And, um, and built it up from there. And the, the, the staff at the office were fantastic because I would come along and I'd say, right, I found this out. Now I need to know this. What can I do? Mm. And very quickly got hooked. Um, because even back then you could still find, find out a relatively large amount of information in a relatively short period of time. And I thought, wow, this is fascinating. So I just, I took it from there and, um, and then, and, and as I was learning about my dad's family, I'd go and see him and, uh, my stepmom, and I would tell him the latest bit of information I'd found out. Yeah. And, um, and my stepmom was obviously listening and thinking, oh, this is quite cool. And then one day she asked if I would do some research for her. Yeah. So I said, yeah, okay then. Um, so I did. That'd be 450 <laughs> <laughs> well, To be fair, <laughs> did she? I think, yeah, I think she did offer to pay me a, a bit. And, you know, I, I would have happily done it for free, but she said, no, 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 go on, I'll, yeah. I'll pay you some money for it. Um, so did a bit of that. And the... So I, did, I wasn't even looking to do it for anybody else. I wasn't looking to do it as a business. But the fact that she asked, and I actually accepted more because I was doing her a favour than anything else, because I didn't think I'd be interested in her family. I didn't think it would be as exciting or anything like that because they're not relatives of mine. And actually, I was completely wrong. I loved it mm. because I, I loved the de detective element of it. 
Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Here's the mystery to solve. Solve it. Yeah. So off I went and I'd solve it. And then I'd bring the information and I'd sit down at the table with her and I'd show her what I'd found. And the look on her face was priceless. You know, she loved it. She was getting so much out of that and it meant so much to her. And I enjoyed that too. And then somebody else um, said, I'd like you to find out this for me um, because they knew I was into that kind of thing. Um, Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll do it for you as a favour. And actually, um, they couldn't afford to pay me and I wasn't even thinking about money at the time. So I just did them a favour and and found out some information for them. And then somebody else did pay me and, you know, and it just went on and on like that. Very informal, people approaching me and some pay me and some not. And then I got into property and then I was working with mentors on a property running a business kind of thing. And then I was financially free. I'd left my job and I said to them, I'd like to, you know, do something with my time, you know, and and they were talking about multiple streams of income. And I said, well, I've always loved family history and Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to see if I can run it as a business. So I sat down with one of my mentors and he said, okay, so how would we do this? Because I didn't know how I was going to package it or anything. And he was smart. He just got straight to the point and he said, right, what have you done so far? Are there any patterns there? Is there anything we can replicate? Mm. And we came up with a couple of packages based on stuff I'd done previously. And he said, right, there you go. Just try it. Just launch them and see what happens. How long ago was that? Um, That was three and a half years ago. That And you just left your job at the time you said, how did that happen? How did you... um... Did you, did you, one day, did you just decide that that's it, I'm done? Work, with work, it was, and no, actually, I was, I knew I wouldn't be far off leaving because um, with, with joining forces with Mark, after buying those two, within the next three months, we bought another three. And also we upgraded to HMOs because he was an experienced landlord and we could get the finance off the back of him. Yeah. Um, and then he said to me around that time, late autumn, um, why don't you give up your job? And mm-hmm. um, the the property, the portfolio at that time wasn't fully renovated. It wasn't fully bringing in the cash flow, but we could see that it was going to happen within a matter of months. And he said, just just take what you need out of the account to live on and go for it. And I thought, wow. ooh, okay. Cool. Um, so I decided I would leave at Christmas because it was a good leaving point. And actually, the last working day that year before Christmas was Christmas Eve, um, the 24th of December. And I joined, I signed up for my education on the 24th of June, the year before. So it was a, it was exactly 18 months to the day. Wow. That That's amazing. I gained my financial freedom. And I liked that, you know, I like that aspect to it. Yeah. It worked. So handed in my notice and that was it. And so um, the way I put it was that at lunchtime on Christmas Eve, everybody went home for Christmas and I went home for life. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Um, Yeah. Was it a good decision? Um, Yes, it was a great decision and I don't regret it. If I could do it again, um, there were, well, all right, let's put it this way. There are times when I get a bit down about things because you do, no matter how successful you are, whatever you're doing, you do have off days when I think yeah. mm, I probably maybe should have held on for another year of that yeah. income and and got the pro- and got the portfolio properly running and blah, blah, blah. But then I, I look at all the opportunities and the experiences that I had 
that year because I wasn't working and they were fantastic. So would I change them? No. Um, so yes, it, it was, it was a great decision in the, in the scheme of things. And also what I liked about it was they all said, yeah, you'll be financially free within two years. And there was a point yeah. where I thought, oh God, six months down and I've wasted time and I'm not going anywhere. And then I'd, I'd beaten that by six months. Awesome. So yeah, that was pleasing. It must've felt pretty good. Yeah, it was nice. And actually it was a bit of a headline grabber because, mm-hmm. um, and it got me some opportunities and it got me uh, an article in uh, Your Property Network magazine. Um, so I was a little bit of a celebrity for 15 minutes. And so that was nice, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, um, if you had to do your property journey over again, so you could go back to the start and have a chat with yourself and say, Ben, you know, we're going to do things differently. Here's what I've learned. Mm. This is what you need to do. What, what would you tell yourself? Right. I would say stay in the job for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Make sure those properties are renovated, rented out, and that income is definitely there for you to have and um and those first kind of two almost two years really where um i suddenly bought all these houses in one go and then had to oversee refurbs manage tenancies blah 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 three of them were hmos so we had loads of rooms all of a sudden to let um that was very stressful. So I would say to myself, you know, don't worry about that. Just do what you got to do and it'll take as long as it takes. Um, and have patience. Yeah. And maybe, um, because I know I was, I was trying to get everything done. And if I had to ring a, um, an energy supplier to sort out a new account for a new property or something, Mm -hmm you know that that can take a whole morning (laughs) and most of that time on hold yeah exactly so maybe what i would do is i um i would do that job for the morning and it would be really tedious but i'd then say right for the afternoon go out for the day go and see a friend just chill reward yourself yeah exactly um not think i've still got 10 more jobs to do this afternoon and they've got to be done this afternoon they haven't yeah um when i um there was a lady i used to work with and her favorite phrase was well nobody's died now when everyone was running around the office like headless chickens panicking about something she would just calmly sit and say well nobody's died so therefore the situation is rectifiable and we can get through this you know (laughs) and i always think of her when 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 things are yeah exactly yeah yeah nobody's died then it's it's all right um so uh, do you uh, do you reward yourself after you buy a property or, or uh, do a new deal or, or yes what's your kind of absolutely uh, and yeah. that's something funnily enough you don't do it even though you know you should do it um so what i now do is i say right this is my goal and this is what i'm going to do to reward myself when i achieve that goal and the two of them go together yeah it's not like oh i've achieved that now now I need to go and do something because you forget as well, or because you can just get busy and you can, okay, well, I've done that. Well, well done. Pat on the shoulder, like crack on. Um, and so when I create my goals for the year or, um, break them down into mini goals or whatever it is, each 
goal has a relative reward reward attached to yeah, it. yeah right? even if it's just um complete on a refinance um which is a pain in the ass because they always take longer than you want them to but they don't require much effort they're just a few emails and a few phone calls and a bit of information gathering um so maybe i might just um treat myself to a new item of clothing or a trip to the cinema or something like that because it doesn't have to cost the earth either but i've just acknowledged that i've done something positive and i'm just gonna have just gonna go watch a film with a friend or i'm just gonna buy a new jumper or, or whatever uh, it doesn't have to be a holiday every time if you see what i mean however <laughs> yeah. um if it is major then it deserves a bigger reward and and i, I think that's very important to do and i think um so if you are going to have a holiday anyway tag it onto something well I'll, mm. that's that is the reward for this and then you get into that habit of achievement reward achievement reward and um that, that just keeps you motivated and you've got enough well a change is as good as a break that kind of idea um where you're not continuously just slogging on and on and on and I think it puts you in a better frame of mind to deal with things when they do go wrong as well. Yeah. What are your um, What are your plans for the future for uh, for property? Um, the Mark and I are um, working on a new area and a new strategy, which is very streamlined, works very easily um and is very well systemized and is the closest thing in property that you will actually get to passive income um because it's a social housing strategy mm, um, okay nice. and that's phenomenal um mm -hmm. to give you an idea the latest deal we just did um the estate agent that we've bought two off already and have got a great relationship with she rang me to say i've got this this i've got this house um the vendors haven't even signed the paperwork yet um but when they do i'll be able to send you some information but i know it's the one i know it's the layout you're looking for because we're looking for a very specific property with a very specific type of layout mm -hmm. and and it's on in your price range and it's in this area um do you want me to call your builder and book a viewing with him? <laughs> yes, please. That'd be great. Thank you. Um, right. Okay. I'll do that. So that's the first phone call, right? That she's made to me, by the way. Then she rings my builder. Um, and and then I get the text to say the um, viewing's been booked. And then I text Steve a couple of days later to say, um, what's the refurb value? He will text me a number. I'll say to myself, yeah, that works. And then I'll ring Sam back and say, hi, Sam. Yeah, um, it works. We want it. Hmm. And then I ring Mark and I say, Mark, we need a load of money. And he yeah. and he says, yep, no problem. I'll get on it. <laughs> Sounds like a great system. And it's got job done. Yeah. And, but that's, you know, that's seven and a half years of hard work and together exactly etc et and networking and building relationships and so, on and so forth yeah totally um yeah. but that is i love it um i am continuing 
to invest in the area where Mark and I have invested today and I'm doing my own stuff, um, kind of growing my own wings now. I'd like to have my own portfolio, partly for autonomy, partly for mm-hmm. professional development and partly because I see it as a, as a kind of second um, income stream because um, I'm living off um, what Mark and I make and then I'd like something that I can either spend on fun or it can just sit there and mount up and you know, whatever. Yeah. So that's that. Um, and then ultimately, longer term, I want to combine um, property with my love of family history. Yeah. And I want to create a Victorian theme park. Yeah. Which... You told me before. It sounds so cool. <laughs> yeah, which is mental, but great uh-huh. land. Totally achievable, even though. Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm looking at 300 acres of land. I'm looking at building about 60 odd buildings. Um, most of that will conf- um, be the, um, the, the Victorian town. Um, I want a farm, I want a mining community, I want docks, I want a big house. And um, and like any other living history museum in this country, like Beamish or Black Country, you can pay your entry ticket, walk around for the day and have a lovely time seeing costumed actors doing stuff um, in all these lovely old buildings. But the USP um, is that you will be able to, for a premium price, of course, um, spend a day in the park living the life of your ancestors. Mm -hmm. So, for example, and and that's why I've said it around the Victorian period, because there are census returns from 1841 to, well, now 1911 that are available to the public, which tell you Mm -hmm. what your ancestors did for a job. So you'll find out that your ancestor was an agricultural labourer or a butcher or a miner or whatever. And on the 1871 census, so you will come to the park and you want to know what it was like to be a miner in 1871 or an agricultural labourer in 1841, whatever. So you'll come to the park and you'll spend a day with an expert um, who will do the work with you, give you, mm-hmm. let you have a go, that kind of thing, talk you yeah. through the conditions. Um, if you want to go really hardcore, you will only eat during that day what they would have eaten during that day. Yeah. Um, you'll, you'll dress the part and it'll be a family experience as well. So if you want to you know, bring partner, siblings, kids, parents, yeah. you know, whoever, we're multi-generation. Put them down the mines. Yeah, um, bring them along because the thing is, yeah, you're, you're, for example, the mining thing, if you're doing an 1871 mining, but your dad was a miner in 1971 or 1961 or whenever, um, that brings an extra something to the experience as well, because you might have never been down a mine, but if you've got the expert telling you what it was like, and then your dad chipping in with, oh my God, it was still like that when I was, or, or you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he's there. Yeah, your dad used to tell stories. About totally, it, yeah. yeah. And you used to be bored mm-hmm. out your skull, but now they're suddenly really interesting. Um, and he, and you're sharing that experience with him, then you'll learn so much more. You'll, it'll be so much more interesting, but also what a fantastic bonding experience to have. Yeah. with your dad, a family member, family. you know, that kind of thing. Or, and, and get the kids involved as well, because um, that's a way to really get them in touch with their family history. If they um, can live an activity in the style of, you know, then they suddenly think, oh, wow, you know, now I, now I want to know more because this is interesting and, I'm, and I'm, I've been part of it in some way. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Mm. I look forward to visiting. 
<laughs> you'll, you'll get an invitation to the gala open. Yeah. it. I think my my uh, great grandfather was a miner, so uh, look cool. forward to visiting the pits. Right, yeah. You're on. <laughs> <laughs> if um if people want to visit you your website, Ben, and f- and find out about getting a family history, where where can they do that? Okay, it's um, footstepsfamily.co.uk. And you're on Instagram as well, aren't you? I am. Yes, um, I am. <laughs> <laughs> if you can remember, remember your Instagram. Handle. Hold on a minute. Um, keep talking while we look this one up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, um, I'm Footsteps Family History. That's it. Is my Instagram okay. handle. And then my website, footstepsfamily.co.uk, is in the bio as well. So there's backup. Cool. That's great. Well, Ben, thank you so much for uh, joining me on the very first episode of Stories, the podcast for property investors. I really appreciate it. I've had a great time listening to your journey um, and uh, I hope it brings um, some uh, some help to anyone, to people who are listening. Absolutely. And thank you very much for inviting me to do this, Stuart. I've enjoyed it too.